In today's episode, you're going to meet the powerful Rihanna Milne. She is a life, love, and relationship coach, best-selling author, and was just introduced as one of the top 10 coaches to follow in 2022 by Wealth Insider Magazine. This was a pretty powerful episode, Christy. What was your takeaway? So I love how she identifies the 10 major traumas from childhood. And she, she speaks to the fact that there's more, but she focuses on these 10. And in listening to her review what those were, I personally could take away probably about eight of those. And, and then reflecting on myself as a parent, curious how much I've transferred to my children in terms of my own personal trauma and then now transferring that trauma. So this episode has so much information on how the healing process needs to start with us and how that can transform our lives into living our best personal life, love life, and business life. Love it. The new you in 22. Hi, I'm Deanna Robbins. And I'm Christy North. Welcome to Pieces of a Woman podcast, where we explore all the pieces that make up a woman, mind, body, and soul. By embracing all complexities of being a woman, our goal is to share real stories that inspire growth and empower all women to be the best versions of themselves. And as Maya Angelou so eloquently said, when we know better, we do better. Thank you for taking this journey with us. Well, today I am super excited because this is a topic that we have not covered before, and uh, we have a really special guest with us today, the beautiful Rihanna Milne. Um, She is a life, love, and relationship coach, and we are just so happy to have you on today. Welcome. Hi, ladies. It's so nice to be back. How are you? We are doing good. And this is such an important topic. Your work, I we have done a lot of research. It's very impressive. Um, but tell us a little bit, how did you get into this field of working as a life, love, and relationship coach? Oh, it's a long story. But um, basically, I had a second toxic sociopathic partner. And I couldn't figure out why was I attracting people like this when I'm a pretty nice lady. You know, I'm a good mom and great in business and a wonderful friend. My friends have lasted 22 years. I just couldn't figure it out. And at that time, there was nothing taught about childhood trauma. The words did not exist. Uh, love trauma did not exist. We heard about abusive relationship. We heard about codependency. But there was something missing. And when I went to seven therapists of friends of mine, because I'm a psychotherapist too, none of them could figure out what my, what's going on with my partners because they all knew my partners and they knew us well as a couple. And the second one was like a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. Socially, he was like the perfect guy. You know, everyone loved him. He was a school principal. Everything was phenomenal in our relationship. And then he had a whole secret life. And I'm like, what causes that? And there was nothing in the DSM-4 for psychotherapists. So nobody knew what this was. So to heal myself, I went into deeper research and found that he had extreme childhood trauma. And this research actually led to my forgiveness because I realized what he was acting out on was a lot of trauma from his past that was never healed. So I identified from all the work that I've done as working as a trauma counselor in schools at every grade level, kindergarten through college, and 
working in a mental health unit for kids ages five to 19. I worked in drug and alcohol rehab centers with one was a teen center and one was women from the prison system. And I had found despite the age, the culture, the race, male or female, these top 10 traumas kept showing up right over and over again. And I realized my partner had nine out of the 10 traumas with very high severity levels. And the higher they are, that leads to sociopathy, psychopathy. And a sociopath is basically someone who does something to improve their lifestyle. They use this another for lifestyle advancement, uh, wealth, or something else. But they're basically use another without remorse. You'll never hear an apology from a sociopath. So that's how I got into this work. And my research went into Love Beyond Your Dreams, a number one bestseller that's 400 pages about love relationships. And I got up to 400 and I'm like, I can't keep writing. So then I just really created my courses from there and notebooks of 150 pages long. And that's what I work with with my clients. So it's a total research-based program. And I became a certified clinical trauma professional as well to take those skills. And I heal people around the world. It's really great work. So I took my pain and made it my purpose and my passion. Well, and you're doing amazing work. And um, we're excited to share all of the stuff that you're doing when we um, will tell our listeners in our show notes, we're going to list your books um, as well as the speaking uh, events that you do. But you talked about the childhood trauma, Brianna, and I'd love for you to go into a little bit more detail about how childhood trauma shows up for us in relationships and our life and even business. Okay. The first thing is to understand what the 10 are. So would you like me to go into what that they would be are? Great. Yes. Okay. And keep in mind, ladies and listeners, that there are more than 10 and childhood trauma goes through at least three generations. So if you recognize that you had some of these traumas, your parents had traumas and so did their parents. And it was in 2012 when I came out with the childhood trauma checklist. But just this year, they said everyone has experienced childhood trauma. And that's the first I've heard that comment in research before it was nine out of 10 people. So for years, it was nine out of 10. And I said, oh, well, the 10% are the sociopaths. I never say anything's <laughs> wrong with them, right? Okay, so here's the top 10. Now, we're looking at these as facts, not to blame your parents at this stage or feel any shame or guilt if you experience these things. Because honestly, you were a child and you're just a product of your environment or a victim of the environment, right? But it's important to let those things go as you become an adult. So the first one is if your caretakers or parents had any addictions. So I named 12 of them. There's drugs and alcohol, sex, meaning you knew your, your parent was a cheater, porn use, gambling, hoarding, spending, eating, gaming, TV watching, um, social media or computer addiction and workaholism. Okay, so if those were more of a priority to spending time with you, the child, then you can put that one down. Second is uh, verbal messaging. So that could have been watching your parents yelling and screaming at each other. It could have been they yelled and screamed at you or the opposite, they shut down and were passive aggressive. They didn't talk to you for hours or days if they were mad at you. And it even means not hearing the words, I love you, or getting compliments on um, anything you've tried. You know, you did your best effort. If you didn't win, it would be nice to hear, that's all right, babe, you tried your best. 
versus, well, you still didn't get as good as so-and-so and beat them yet, you know? So it's those verbal messages um, that are really, really important for children and what they hear. Number three is emotional abuse or neglect. Number four is any kind of physical abuse, rape or molestation. And again, these traumas could have occurred inside or outside of the home. Um, next is abandonment. And I named two types. There's fault and no fault abandonment. So a no fault abandonment would be like if a parent happened to die early, if they go off to serve their country in war or something like my father, he was away from the house all the time. And I remember as a kid saying, when's dad coming home? And my mom's, well, I don't know where he is. I'm thinking, well, is he okay? You know, <laughs> why don't you know where he is? He's our father. He's your husband. Um, but the, the, truth was he was actually CIA and FBI. Oh, so wow. he couldn't tell the family where he was. Oh, um, yeah. Wow. So when he did come home, they fought, you know, so it was like, oh boy, it was this constant cycle, but we didn't know that was his work. Um, so that's a no fault abandonment because that's how he supported the family. Now, uh, fault abandonment shows up like never being involved in your child's life, being involved to some extent, um, when the couple's together or married and then they break up and then they're just gone. You barely see your kids. And the other one is you are presently there, but you're emotionally cold and distant. So I call that emotional abandonment. You don't go to your child's events at school. You barely talk to them. You go from one office, you come home and eat, you go to the home office. So you're barely spending quality time. Okay. The next one is, um, if you're part of the foster care system, adopted or had to go live in another family's household, even your grandma or your aunt and uncle, because your parents couldn't keep you in the main house. Next one is a big one a lot of people identify with. It's trauma seven is personal trauma. So that would, could be if you ever felt not good enough or that you didn't fit in. So you could have been a chubby child going to school or skinny and gawky and teased for that. Uh, name calling, being called a nerd or something along those lines. Um, you also could have had a medical condition, right? A diagnosis, ADHD. Um, I know I had all those kids in my schools when I was working with them. They hated it. They hated feeling different and labeled. Um, and the sad thing was, and I was a real advocate for these kids, most of those kids came from very traumatic homes. So when they are upset, the cortisol is up, which is fight, flight, or freeze response, and memory and learning goes down. So it's the same with adults. If they have this unhealed trauma going on or anxiety in their life, their focus is a mess. Um, so it's really important that we heal the brain and the body where the trauma is stored. Okay, so that's personal trauma. The next one, number eight, is sibling trauma that could you perceived your sibling to be the golden child, the favored one, the star athlete, the better student, more handsome, more beautiful, or they could have bullied you, or they could have been born with a medical condition, and that took most of mom's and dad's time away from you. Trauma number nine is two traumas in one. One is family, one is community. So this is where we are saying everyone has uh, trauma which is the COVID pandemic under community. Okay, so everyone's been yeah. impacted by this around the world. Um, you can imagine how our little people are going to grow up afraid to touch and love and hug. And yeah. we're going to see a lot of repercussion emotionally from this down the road. But it also is our mass shootings, our school shootings, our mother nature events, floods, fires, hurricanes, tornadoes. 
impacting huge communities. Okay. Then that impacts the family. So you can see how intertwined they are. But family trauma could also be growing up in a dangerous neighborhood or always coming from lack. We don't have the money. Like kids would ask for the new sneakers. Well, we don't have the money for that. We can't even buy heat in our home, yeah. you know, and I remember my mom turning the heat off at night. And I lived in Pennsylvania and it was freezing in the winter. That's why I live in Florida, like heat. Yeah, give it all to me <laughs> to eat. Um, so it was freezing, you know, and you grow up with this. We don't have enough money for heat in the house, you know. So it's these messages you get as a kid that you carry on and you have to break those cycles. And then trauma 10 is mental health illness in mom or dad. And a lot of us baby boomers did not see our parents go to counseling. So we kind of have to guess that they have any medical condition. So the two most difficult for children to navigate is bipolar and borderline personality. Uh, so borderline is fast trigger anger, real erratic moods. When they're good, they can be great. But when they're bad, they're horrid. And you never know what you're going to get. And that leaves a child very anxious. And bipolar is manic depressive. So depression can show up as anger, emotionally checking out or extreme fatigue. And the manic phase, people say, well, that's a high and happy one, right? It can be, but it's often tied to an addiction, like a gambling spree, a spending spree, an eating binge, something like that. So those are the top 10 that I identified with all the populations I've worked with over many 22 years now I've been doing this. So those are the top. Rihanna, you say all those and I can see it's like every single person that almost hits every single person has yeah. some kind of trauma. Well, and I would even go further to say I'm listening to all 10 of those and I could probably identify at least eight. Right. To me personally. We have to see how severe they are. Right. So I remember getting punished by my dad, the loving, kind one, you know, and that was really a jolt for me twice. So that's not a 10 severity level, right. that's a two, right? Right. Versus the child that comes home thinking, oh my God, is my alcoholic father going to be angry and hit me today? That's a child with a 10 severity level, right? So the severity levels make a huge difference. My bullying was real bad. That was probably like a seven or eight all through middle school and into high school. And I became very alone and shut down. And that's when I turned to writing. Um, so it's amazing how kids... Uh, have these different coping mechanisms, right? Depending on what happened to you while you were young. So how does this show up in relationships? And then I'll go into business and in life. Well, briefly in life, this shows up as ongoing anxiety, bouts of depression, um, physical ailments like sleeping disorders, eating disorders, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome, irritable bowel, um, shorter lifespans. Uh, that was proven by Kaiser Permanente Group out of San Diego, um, that you have like these diseases that show up earlier in life and, you know, heart disease and diabetes, even overweight is attributed to uh, unhealed trauma. And then it impacts the ability to learn, like I mentioned in students, uh, language delays, problems with concentration and focus. And then for relationships, um, and there's many more, by the way, right. that's just a tip of the iceberg because we only have a little bit of time. Um, in love relationship, it really shows up quite profound. So if someone heard the messages, you'll resort to nothing, um, or your words don't matter to me, go to your room, you have nothing valuable to say, 
or, um, you know, the teacher saying, no, you don't want to go to that college. You don't have the grades for it. You're not smart enough. You know, those little slurs that we hear throughout our lifetime, um, two things could happen. One, like happened to me, it's like, watch me, which became <laughs> one of my books, your bold new motivational attitude for personal success, which is based on live beyond your dreams. My other book about mindset and, um, or the other, you do live up to what they expected. You, you don't have the confidence to excel or succeed. You go so far, then you sabotage or you procrastinate. Um, you just don't have the confidence to succeed. You might stay in a job you hate, but it's a paycheck. You know, and you're not going to get out of the comfort zone. You don't have that confidence to, to live your best and happiest life. So that can show up that way in work. In love relationships, let's say you had some abandonment issues that could show up as codependency, could show up as what we call RRS, relationship repetition syndrome, where you get toxic people over and over again, and you can't figure out why your chemistry is all messed up. Well, chemistry is the worst way to fall in love because it's taking you to the past dynamics of the relationship that happened within your household because the brain likes homeostasis. It likes what it knows. It likes what it's comfortable with. So it's a very subtle thing. Like it, the chemistry is recognizing your, your brain is like flashing. Yes, I like this one because the personality type is similar to your mom or your dad. So it feels comfortable. Um, so we have to be careful of that. And RRS could mean you breaking up and get back together, break up and get back together. And the research shows that's an average of seven times. So the conscious brain would say, I know he's not good for me. I have to break up with him. And then the unconscious is, well, you know, some love's better than no love. And we do have some fun times and the sex is good. And then it's this cycle. You know, we call it the cycle of abuse or just cycle of toxic relationships. So that's with abandonment. Impulsivity can happen people pleasing impulsivity comes from usually growing up without a lot of uh monetary wealth and then you you become successful and it's like but i want that red sports car and i'm not going to discuss that with my wife i'm just going to buy it she'll deal with it you know those impulse buys or i deserve that new outfit or those expensive shoes even though you know you have credit card debt i worked hard this month you know so that kind of thing is impulse People pleasing comes from uh, having a very difficult parent and the child learned, well, if I'm really good and really sweet, maybe they won't yell at me today or hit me today. So they get used to just overdoing for love. And that's how they got love back. And that can show up. Like I had a couple come to me and the woman said, I do everything for my husband and my kids and they do nothing for me. You know, I give them all this love and they show me no love at all. And the husband says, well, I didn't ask you to do all those things. I even told you to stop doing it, you know, but she was so ingrained with this equals love, people pleasing. Um, anger issues, you know, if you it was modeled to you, you work through an issue by yelling and screaming at each other. That's going to be your tended style in communications. And really yelling is never appropriate unless someone's in harm's way. You yell, watch out, and that's it. Otherwise, yelling is never appropriate. Um, addictions can come from that. Perfectionism, blaming behavior, never accepting responsibility. 
And also I'll give you an example of what we call blurting out. Now we had a high ranking politician who's no longer in office that used to say the most inappropriate things that would make you say, did he just say that? And you were like, where'd that come from? That is called blurting out, saying something very unconsciously, not thinking of the result, uh, blurting it out in anger or frustration. Um, and he actually came from a very tyrant alcoholic father. So he had childhood trauma. And I remember walking by the TV and they said, does he have a mental health disorder? I said, no, he has unhealed childhood trauma. I should be his coach, you know? But I mean, that is an example of blurting out and it can be like so jolting to people that it comes from. So if you have a tyrant boss that does a lot of blurting out um, and you're working for someone like that, you're gonna be very emotionally upset um, or, co-workers that are miserable to work with because of that or jealousy and, and high competition trying to always win those are signs of unhealed trauma discover adventure discover luxury discover moab with exclusive retreats for your next vacation or event wake up to amazing views only minutes from utah's most breathtaking national and state parks and moab's best shopping and dining enjoy your fully stocked vacation home with private pool and hot tub every room is a luxurious private suite plus daily maid service and private chefs are available exclusive retreats we're not your home away from home we are better book today at exclusiveretreats.com So do you get, I'm just really curious. I have so many thoughts and so many questions because it all comes to the first place they've got to start is looking at themselves, right? If you're wanting to figure out how, if I keep having these toxic relationships or maybe you don't even have a toxic relationship, but you have a combative relationship or there's something you just, a hurdle you can't get over, is that your recommendation as you start? You got to look inward and find out what are you struggling from? Where do you come yes. Where does that come from? You cannot change what you don't know or understand. Yeah. And that quote I came up with when I was saying, what is going on with me, with him, with this relationship? And it's a very frustrating place to be. I've read thousands of self-help books to try and figure that one out way back in the day. And people sit on summits and podcasts and trying to get the answers. But it's a very individualized situation. That's why I do one-on-one VIP work. So people come to me and within one hour of my introductory uh, session, which is very reasonable, it's $47 right now. It's uh, like $500 value. Within one hour, I can identify their traumas and severity levels and how it's showing up in life, love, or business. And people say all the time, oh my God, I've been in seven years of therapy and I've never heard any of this. Now I finally know what's going on. So now we have to fix it. And all the different skills that I've learned over, my gosh, I've been doing mindset work since my 20s. So 40 years of doing business and inspiring people to be their best. In my 20s, for 10 years, I had a model and talent school and agency, taking people with dreams from Erie PA and putting them on the map as singers, models, actors, dancers. My own daughter sings on three multi-platinum CDs and became a TV host. You know, and you can reach your wow. dreams if your mindset is right. Yeah. See? So we got to clear you of the trauma, decide what your desired life goals are, 
and then get the mindset around that consciously and step-by-step do the work that we have to do to help you reach those goals and dreams. So that's the process. So you've got the 10 um, points that we talked about, obviously knowing that there's so many more that you haven't discussed, but with those 10, the opposite of that, you know, when you're looking at what is emotionally healthy. So share with us some things that can identify what an emotionally healthy evolved relationship is and what does that look like? Sure. There's many, many tips in my book, Love Beyond Your Dreams. This is from page 294. I like to share this one because as people are out there dating or looking at their relationships, you want to find out, do you have these core elements? So the first one is five Fs. Okay. The first one is a solid foundation. Foundation, the ability to trust not only yourself, but each other in the relationship. You're putting yourselves, this couple first. I have the quote, it's you and me against the world. So many couples put their kids first. And then by the time the kids are in high school, the the marriage is falling apart because they're just totally kid focused and they're not putting enough time and energy and effort into their, their love relationship. So you're proud of who you are as an individual. So you have two emotionally healthy individuals coming together in a relationship. Flexibility means open-minded, easygoing, caring, uh, understanding, and emotionally open to accepting that your partner is a totally different individual and they can have their thoughts and opinions. If they want President A, you have President B, who cares? Vote, you know? Um, So you allow that person to be their own individual selves without trying to railroad or control them, right? So flexibility and loving conversations, nothing toxic, yelling, put down, passive aggressiveness, none of that. Fidelity means honesty, being loyal, and having integrity, which I define as doing the right things when nobody's looking. So you each have that going on because no one has time to babysit their partner. Uh, friendship, they should be your best friend. High respect for each other, kindness. They're a lot of fun. They're thoughtful. Think about how you are with your best friend. Even if you have a, a fight, you talk it out and they're still your best friend. So many people are like, okay, that's it. We're done. You know, um, they don't because they never had that foundation of being best friends first. So that's really important. The last F of that is fun, common interests, activities, shame is the same life goals. You know, you could have individual goals and you're supportive of each other's individual dreams and goals. But then you have this couple or family goal where you're going in the next three years, five years, 10 years. What do you want your life to look like? Where do you want a vacation together? And you're always setting new goals to keep your relationship fresh and fun. Others are intimacy, the balance of love, deep friendship, daily affection, and showing that on a regular basis, the ability to compromise, talk through your issues as a team. It's not I win or you win. No, if one person wins, the the team is broken. You have to both feel that you're winning and negotiate a win-win. And spirituality, Uh, both of you having uh, faith-based values and sharing that together as a couple. That was one of the top things that shows longevity in a relationship over time. Oh, I love all of the, I love the five Fs. I yeah. have a question. So our audience, we, it's mainly, you know, the majority are women listeners, mm-hmm. but for those that are maybe not married yet, not in a relationship yet. And I, I don't know if the, the same advice would, would go to both or somebody who's in their forties, fifties, sixties, find themselves single and getting back into 
dating world, which is a totally different world. (laughs) What is the best advice you could give those women? What's the thing you would think about the most? It's really important that they heal their childhood and love trauma from their past. You can't take baggage like that into a new relationship. The ladies that come to me, many of them are 40 plus, already had a very toxic marriage and one or two toxic relationships. Then they read some dating books and go back out for dating. So they're taking the same problems out there that are very unconscious. So you've got to heal that. There there really is an art and a science of psychology to dating successfully. It's not about, oh, I'll just date. He's cute. No, that's when you're going to get into trouble because you're leading with chemistry. You have to be really consciously aware when you date and what I call empowered. It's empowered dating because you have a whole new education about the right way to date. What are you looking for? What is a great emotionally healthy partner and what is a bad partner? And you've got to know what is each, right? And you should know by date one or two, if you want to continue to date that person again or not and why. So that's what my system teaches. It's it's very, uh, like I said, educational and empowering. And at the same time, you have the confidence that someone ghosts you. It's like, okay, thank you, God. That one's not good because he just ghosted me. I already learned that one early on. Next. You know, it just, you don't take it as any kind of personal affront at all. It just doesn't phase you. So that's how empowered my people are. There's ghosting or gaslighting. We know it's out there. We know the sociopaths, the numbers are growing. We know what to look for. My people get the top 24 questions to ask when they're out there on their date. So they know, you know, who they're looking for. They know the online do's and don't rules if they're online looking. Um, So there's much to learn. And especially somebody coming out of a long-term marriage or relationship, dating is new from when they might have dated in their teens and their 20s and had an early marriage in life, like in early 20s. Everything's changed. So you really have to get the education so you don't get hurt. Well, I love that. Empowered dating. I love that. Mm -hmm. Well, and I took from what you just said, the healing. So we've been hearing this frequently. It's all over um, self-care and healing. And this, you might not have a a quick answer for this, but, you know, what is, what is healing? I mean, what are we doing to heal? Is it, we are talking about it. We're reconciling it. What does that look like? Because I think it can be overwhelming when we say, We need to heal our past trauma to live our best life. Well, the good news is you can heal your trauma and it takes four to six months. It's not a quick fix. There's no tricks and tips. Okay. It is a process. And the best way for me to describe it is this rainbow. You're at, I don't know what I don't know where I was. And you start getting this education from the research that I have and you do great and then you'll slip and then you do better and then you'll slip. People there, why do I have to slip? Where, why is there slippage? Because the unconscious is so strong and those patterns are so strong. It takes time and practice with a coach that really knows what they're doing to help change those norms, those normalized behavioral patterns that don't serve you. Then you get to the other side where there is the pot of gold and these skills you will use forever, forever. And that's what's so beautiful to see. Like I'm thinking of a couple um from 2006 that came in fighting and screaming and i i healed that relationship i'm an officiant i ended up marrying them and they're still so happily together 
You know, there was another couple from New Jersey I had. The man was a chronic cheater. The woman had left him many times. She finally filed for divorce. She went done. I got them back together. They're always in this lovey pose. And that was like, you know, I see them on my Facebook page. So they're always so happily together. And they just keep saying, thank you, thank you. So these are years going by. And these skills have been, you know, learned and embedded and totally changed the relationships. So it's it's really beautiful to see. That's what I love what I do. But for the new person coming to me, we have to first identify the trauma, right? So know what we're working on. We have to take the trauma, the biology pieces next. So they do a certain meditation. We do vitamin therapy. None of my clients are on psychotropic meds because that's just a Band-Aid, antidepressants, anti-anxieties. No, they're not on those. This is all natural. Um, uh, food, even diet and chemicals. I look at that, you know, is there a weight loss goal? We look, we work on that. Um, friendships, we, we look at all their life's areas. How's the relationships with their kids, their friends, their parents? What's a relationship with money, their business? Are they happy in business and career? So we look at everything. And that's after the trauma healing, which is part one. Then part two is identifying what life goals. Part three is doing the mindset work to start getting those goals going and coming to life. And then the last part is finally then getting them out to date because I want them to feel amazing about themselves first and very empowered to then go out and date and pick someone who else feels that way. Because when you really love who you are and you're out there, your energy is like so attracting. This is what I call the law of attraction. My people have so many date options. Like I have a woman that says, I have like eight date options for New Year's Eve. I said, well, which one are you going to pick? You know, so she's now, you know, really working with me to pick who is the best partner. They're all interested in her. That's the easy part. Now she's, you know, deciding which one she wants. So we say we choose the partner we want to be with. And the rest were very friendly. You know, we might run into them down the street or whatever. Um, but you can easily attract many dates and then it's just the one you want to choose for your life. I really value what you just said, because I believe that so strongly, we get so caught up in the physical appearance of people and it truly, and I think I've recognized that as you get older, it really is your energy yes. and you become so much more attractive by the energy you're putting out. So I love that you, that you talked about that, that I believe. Oh, that's yeah. Really because a man can see from a woman miles away. Is she happy? Does she like herself? Is she fun? You know, and when I'm out there, I mean, you can see my energy is pretty cut. I love fun and joking and crazy. And I mean, it is the law of attraction. So my clients learn that same carefree joy for themselves and for life. And they, they're fine going out single because they, they have dates lining up to meet them. Well, I think it's truly the best gift anybody, male or female, truly, because I'm thinking of a lot of men as you're talking that are middle-aged and single, the best gift anybody could give themselves is just focusing on healing. You know, our whole, our whole focus on pieces of a woman this year is uh, the new you in 22. And before you decide to put yourself out there, I love that work on yourself, heal. So great, great. It's very important and healing, you know, people there. Well, is it just like, okay, I healed it. Then what? 
Yeah. So the then what is all the skills you need to go have that life you desire. That's my, my slogan is create the life you desire and have the love you deserve. And that's what we do in part one and part two. And then that stays with them forever. You know, I had, I'm thinking of, I even have a tape on her, Olya, who came to the States with 250 US dollars from Russia at age 18, had a very toxic marriage, a little boy who was even yelling and screaming at her because that's what the, the father did. Very unhappy. She's now incredibly happy and married with a very successful businessman. They have an oceanfront mansion. They had another uh, child together. The boy is very happy. So, I mean, their lives totally change. That's what I'm saying. This, there's, this has been proven over and over and over with thousands of people over many years. So I'm just really grateful that I found, you know, the remedy to help people through so much pain. Well, and Rihanna, you have been named the woman to watch as the life love relationship coach in 2022. Yeah, and that was a nice surprise. Yeah, congratulations. Thank you. That was Wealth Insider Magazine. Yeah, I was really honored. That was amazing. You're doing awesome work. Why don't you give us a little bit of a summary so we can wrap up and tell our listeners about your gifts? Sure, sure. I just want to encourage everyone not to suffer in silence. Like if we learned anything from COVID, life is too short. You know, if you're recognizing you have some patterns that aren't serving you well anymore, reach out and get help. Um, I offer that introductory session. Like I said, it's only $47 on my website. And I have other gifts there at rihannamilne.com. Um, so there's the free ebook that's there, free love tests. There's four of them to see. One is a childhood trauma checklist. One's a red flag checklist. So if you're with a partner, is it healthy or is it unhealthy? And you'll know from that. And I have free book chapter downloads on there. And of course, my podcast is called Lessons in Life and Love with Coach Rihanna Millen. I have 109 shows out there, more to come when I have time. Um, but they're very educational on all kinds of topics, and they're on every platform out there. So all I can say, don't wait. You know, my oldest client was 73 when he came to me. His fourth wife divorced him. And he said, I'm going to die alone. I don't believe this. I can't get it right. I've been an alcoholic. I've been a gambler. I stopped that, but I can't get love right. So he went through this and he's been with the same girlfriend. Now it's going on six years and he keeps sending me pictures from their white night on their cruises. And he's so happy. He's Ariana. I'm the happiest I've ever been. So, you know, no matter what your age is, male, female, straight, LGBTQ, this whole system works to help you. So, yeah. Okay. So we have one last question. Sure. What would you tell your 20-year-old self if you could go back and write yourself a letter? What would you tell her? I'm proud of you, kiddo. That's the first thing that came to mind. I mean, I had two tragedies in my young life. At age 16, I lost my best friend, Michael, to a drunk driver. And at 23, I lost my Penn State roommate who was murdered by her boyfriend. So throughout my life, I've tried to dedicate my work to their memory which my books are dedicated to them because they didn't get to have an adult life. And when I was bullied as a kid, I wanted to go to a counselor. My mom said, no one will ever go to counseling in this family. And I said, well, I will grow up to become one. And I did and uh, studied the mindset work then in my late teens into my 20s. So I knew my direction. I was a very serious teenager after Michael died, looking at how much life do I have left? What am I going to do with it? 
How can I give back in Michael's name? And that's how my life began. So I always live with intention and goal setting and to help others. Oh, well, Brianna, thank you so much for your work and what a beautiful life um, and message that you share. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. And to our listeners, you can find all of Brianna's contact information in our show notes. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you think someone could benefit, please share. If there's a conversation you think we should be having or a topic that resonated with you, please let us know. You can engage and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Pieces of a Woman Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. If you listen to us on Apple, leave us a five-star rating and a comment. 